0: The first time I stayed at the Historic Hotel Bethlehem was about six years ago. I'd been to Bethlehem before, and I knew a little of the history, but I'd never stayed at the hotel. Years ago, many years ago, my boss at the time gave me a book, Historic Hotels of America. I traveled quite a bit for work then too, mostly in New England, and she knew I loved old historic hotels, places that weren't part of a chain where you could sip a cup of tea in a library or on the porch, hotels with history and legends. As long as they had a business center, which many of them did, that's where I always preferred to stay, and that hasn't changed. Historic Hotel Bethlehem is like that, although today you don't need much of a business center as long as the property has Wi-Fi. My overnight visit at this hotel was for work, as so many of my trips are. When a coworker learned where I was staying, he said, make sure you take the ghost tour. I figured he meant in Bethlehem, a town with history dating back to the mid 1700s. Of course, there'd be a ghost tour. Nope. He meant the hotel as in the hotel offers their own ghost tour within the property. Well, you know, at that point, I was so excited to visit that hotel. And then I arrived at Hotel Bethlehem for a conference. My days started at 7 and went till 9, no time for a ghost tour, so of course I went back. I took the family to Bethlehem last weekend, not for the ghost tour, but to see Christmastown, which is how Bethlehem is referred to this time of year. It does take on the look of a little Christmas village, but there are a few other towns in the Keystone State who do Christmas just as festively, if not even more so, like Philly. But this isn't about Philly. This is about the little town of Bethlehem. And I can't say that without singing it. It isn't just about the twinkling lights on the trees along Main Street. Let's talk about Bethlehem's history, its first house built in 1741 on the site of what is now the historic Hotel Bethlehem, the Moravian Star, and some of the famous hauntings in a town that's about 20 years shy of its tricentennial. I'm Nina Marie your host on this week's Twisted Journey. Welcome to Twisted Philly. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome Welcome to to Twisted Twisted Philly. Philly. There are so many beautiful gems to talk about in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to begin. So I think I'll take you through Bethlehem the way I took Jeremy and my daughter through town. Jeremy's been to Bethlehem for work, but he'd never visited downtown, which is in a word, adorable. When you think of Main Street, USA, you're thinking of historic downtown Bethlehem. If you've seen the movie Pleasantville, Main Street in Pleasantville doesn't look all that different from Main Street in downtown Bethlehem. It's filled with so many wonderful little shops, but my favorite spot on Main Street is the old Woolworths building. Now, if you're not from the area, certainly if you're from outside the U.S., that name may not be familiar to you. But Woolworths was a staple in America through the 70s. It's what we called a five-and-dime store. Not because everything costs 5 or 10 cents, but you could find just about anything in Woolworths, and it was usually pretty low cost. There was a Woolworths not far from where my grandparents lived, and I loved going there for lunch. Yes, so many of these little stores had casual restaurants inside, like a mini diner. And I loved it because we sat at the counter on these tall stools with thick seats covered in red leather and the seats spun around. Sitting at that counter made me feel very grown up. The Woolworths store on Main Street in Bethlehem has long since closed. Lots of other businesses have held residence there, but the city didn't change the facade. The name Woolworths in big letters still adorns the front of the building over the doors, and it just reminds me of being a kid. When we arrived in Bethlehem late on a Sunday afternoon, it was packed. Main Street was filled with people wandering in and out of shops, popping into a chocolatier for a sweet treat. The Moravian bookstore was filled to the gills with holiday shoppers. And everywhere you looked, trees and storefronts were covered with lights and garland. As we made our way down Main Street past the historic Hotel Bethlehem, both Jeremy and my daughter asked, why are all those people in line? I looked around and saw to my left a big line, and it was obvious. Everyone was lining up for church outside of the central Moravian church of Bethlehem. To understand the history of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, we have to travel overseas and go back in time more than a millennia. Bethlehem's roots are founded in Moravia and Bohemia, an area of Eastern Europe bordered by Germany and Austria. Today, we refer to that part of Europe as the Czech Republic. The people of these lands were converted to Christianity well before the turn of the century in the mid-800s. And by the 15th century, their religion wasn't just Christianity anymore, but it was Christianity according to Rome, which was Catholicism. And as we all know, regardless of your personal beliefs, religious or otherwise, there are many different factions of Christianity. In some religions, it isn't enough to believe in the same or a similar God. You must believe the way this group believes or practice the way that group practices and follow laws that may or may not have come from God or from man. For many people in the area of Moravia, this wasn't okay. If you visit the website for the Central Moravian Church in Bethlehem, you'll read, Wherever you are in your journey of faith and whatever your identity be, you are welcome at the Central Moravian Church. This is an inclusive community, and while the words may not have been the same in the 1400s, this philosophy is a more modern testament to the beliefs of Moravians from long ago. According to the Moravian Church, one man in particular, a philosopher named Jan Hus, preached at the Bethlehem Chapel in Prague, which was part of the Bohemian region. Hus looked for a reformation in the church, His ministry appealed to young people like students and what was called common folk, people who weren't wealthy. They were trying to care for their families and care for one another. His movement caught the attention of the Roman Catholic Church. In 1415, he was tried and convicted of heresy. As a result, he was burned at the stake in July of that year. About 40 years after his death, his followers led by a man named Gregory the Patriarch founded the Unity of Brethren in Eastern Bohemia, and by 1467 the Moravian Church was born. Gregory described Moravian Christians as people who have decided to be guided only by the gospel and example of Jesus Christ and his apostles in gentleness, humility, patience, and love for their enemies. Again, even if you're not Christian or practice any religion, those principles are something I think we can all get behind, regardless of where we get our inspiration. Members of the Moravian Church ventured as far west as the colonies, attempting first to settle in Savannah, Georgia, but they weren't entirely welcomed. So where do you go in America when you want to worship freely without judgment or persecution in the 1700s? You go to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Where William Penn founded this state on exactly those principles, these Moravian settlers purchased about 500 acres from a local businessman and built a log cabin along the Monocacy Creek in 1741. Then, on December 24th, Christmas Eve of that same year, the city was named Bethlehem. Well, what's remarkable about Bethlehem and historic Moravian Bethlehem in particular is that they were they were innovators, um, not just in Technology and industry at the time, but also in terms of uh, uh, of education. I mean, they were some of the first people who actually educated women as well as uh, Native Americans. They were really progressives as far as healthcare goes, education, equal rights, equality. The foundation of this community really reflects what America should be. With many examples of uh, what the Moravians did. About six months later, on June 25, 1742, the Central Moravian Church became Bethlehem's first congregation, and it's the oldest Moravian church in the United States. One of the early meeting houses of the Moravian Church of Bethlehem is now part of the Moravian Museum. It was a chapel built in 1751, where some fairly notable folks worshipped as they made their way through the town of Bethlehem, like George and Martha Washington and Benjamin Franklin. As the congregation grew, so did the need for a larger house of worship. And the Central Moravian Church was built between 1803 and 1806. At the time, it was the largest church in Pennsylvania. This is the building where Jeremy and my daughter saw everyone standing in line. It's not a fancy church. It's beautiful in its simplicity. The church is a long cream-colored building with very tall arched windows on its side. The inside is white with tall columns on either side of an arched altar. There is one more ornate part of the church, and that's the bell tower. This time of year, a remarkable star hangs in that tower. That's the Moravian Star. Among the many attractions at the Christmas market are the famous Moravian Stars, a traditional decoration that's now more popular than ever. The Moravian Star originated in Saxony in the 19th century. Since its invention, church missionaries have taken the paper stars all around the world. I've read a number of different yet similar reports about the origin of the Moravian star. Most of these reports agree the star originates from a boys' school in Germany, where a number of Moravians settled in the early 1720s. This star dates back to the mid-1800s when a teacher at a hernut school, which may have been an engineering assignment or math, gave his students an interesting project, and that was to create a polyhedron, a three-dimensional shape with flat sides and multiple points. One report called it an art project, and the materials the boys used varied on which story I read, but ultimately what these men created looked like a multi-sided star with many more points than common stars, and they were three-dimensional. Other reports indicate the star came from Saxony, Germany, in a town of Niesky, not Hernut, a little earlier in the 1830s, but still attribute the design to a school project. These stars really are a lesson in geometry with 25 points, and they date back much farther than this boarding school project in the 19th century. There's a similar mosaic shape on the floor of the San Marco Basilica in Venice, Italy. That image isn't three-dimensional, nor are the points of the star tall and thin like the Moravian star, but it is an early representation of this shape. As you wander the town of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, especially this time of year, it isn't just the enormous Moravian star in the bell tower at the church that you'll see. Stars like these are made from all sorts of material, and they are for sale all over town. I have a few different Moravian stars. One I bought at the Historic Hotel Bethlehem made from glass. I've bought others at Christmas Village in Philadelphia. And these are my brilliant stars made from the Hernhutter Star Factory, which dates back to the 1880s when a former student from the Hernhut School made Moravian stars and sold them in his bookstore. The Central Moravian Church is adjacent to the south campus of Moravian College. That's the sixth oldest university in the United States, dating back to 1742, when they first opened a school for boys and a school for girls. In the early 1800s, a men's college and seminary were established, but it was more than 100 years after the original boys and girls school that the state of Pennsylvania chartered Moravian College to offer degrees. Today, Moravian College is a co-ed liberal arts college. They have a north and south campus that are about eight blocks apart. And there are a few ghostly residents there besides the undergraduates. The Moravian College Music Department is in a building called the Brethren's House on Church Street. This building dates back to 1748, and it's in the south section of campus. That's also known as the Priscilla Payne Heard Campus along Main and Church Streets. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen a few photos of some of the beautiful old buildings along the South Campus. Brethren House was originally used as a residence for single men in Bethlehem. Then during the Revolutionary War, it was converted temporarily into a field hospital. Brethren House is frequently mentioned when anyone talks about paranormal activity on the Moravian campus. You'll get the usual reports. Cold spots. Doors that open and close on their own. The sound of footsteps in areas of the building which are supposed to be unoccupied. Some students report the feeling of being watched, yet there's no one else there. Some people claim they've seen the ghost of a woman believed to be a Revolutionary War nurse. The Moravian College website even has a section in their blog dedicated to reports of paranormal activity from students. About the music department, formerly Brethren House, a student named Katie, who graduated in 2018, shared a story about taking a former boyfriend to tour the building. Apparently, this guy didn't believe in the supernatural and wanted to explore that particular location because of its haunted reputation. Well, the ghosts of Brethren House had something to prove to that guy, because according to this student, while she and her boyfriend walked the empty first floor hallway, the noise above their heads on the second floor sounded like a train barreling past them. Then it sounded like more than 20 people running over their heads. Katie and her boyfriend fled the building. When she told a friend about that experience, her friend believed she knew exactly what Katie heard. Nurses running down the hall with gurneys from the day when Brethren House was a field hospital during the Revolutionary War. I think the noise they heard had to have been something else because gurneys, hospital gurneys, weren't invented until the 1880s, more than 100 years after the Revolutionary War. So maybe what they heard was the sound of wooden carts being pushed along the corridor? Another graduate of the class of 2018 had a ghostly experience in Brethren Hall when he peered down a stairwell that led to an exit door on the first floor. The stairwell was next to a vending machine where he grabbed a soda, and as you might do when you're waiting for your selection to drop to the bottom of the machine, this young man looked around. When he peered down the adjacent stairwell, he saw a large shadowy figure at the bottom of the steps, and then he watched as the figure turned, walked through the door, and vanished. main hall built in 1854 is a girls dormitory and while many of these old buildings have been modernized to accommodate faculty and students they still feature so much of their original history what's so cool about living in an old building like this is yes you have what most college kids have in their dorms like mini fridges and modular furniture but you've also got old high ceilings enormous windows wide doorways and a few spectral roommates. According to a young woman who lived in Main Hall during both her freshman and sophomore years at Moravian College, she lived in a double room, but was the only resident during her freshman year. One night, a whiteboard calendar, that's the sort of calendar you can write on and wipe off and make frequent changes to. Well, the calendar fell off a hook on the back of her closet door while she slept. She didn't think much of it when she woke up, she just hung it back up. The next night, she was awakened by the sound of a loud crash, and this time, the calendar wasn't just on the floor next to the closet door. It was next to her bed, which she claimed was across the room. This Main Hall resident said after that, she moved the calendar to another location, and there it stayed without incident. Perhaps one of the ghostly residents of Main Hall took up residence in her closet and didn't like having a calendar hanging on her door. A young woman named Kendra, who was a Moravian graduate from the class of 2017, claimed during her freshman year in college, she felt what she thought was a cat walking alongside her in bed one morning. She even saw indentations on her blanket as it moved across the mattress, then curled up beside her. But this was just a physical sensation because she couldn't actually see a cat. She told Moravian College this cat returned a few times that year, And although she couldn't see him, she sensed he was an orange tabby. The following year, when Kendra moved to a different room in Main Hall, her ghostly cat visited her there too. Some residents at Main Hall have heard the showers turn off and on in the middle of the night. Now, to me, that seems pretty likely it could have just been students, considering everyone keeps different hours, unless somebody went in to investigate and there was no one there using the showers. These are stories from students, but according to Channel 69 News, WFMZ, the staff at Moravian College consider the William Randolph Hearst Recital Hall the most haunted room on campus. In October 2017, Michael Kaur, the Director of Marketing and Communications at Moravian College, told Channel 69 News that paranormal activity has been captured in the recital hall using thermal images and other devices. I love that the Moravian College website shares their student accounts of paranormal activity. They clearly embrace their long history and seem open to the possibility that some of that history wanders the campus even today. While we were in Bethlehem, I wanted to take Jeremy and my daughter to dinner at the tap room in the historic Hotel Bethlehem. But, silly me, it was Sunday night, ten days before Christmas. The town was hopping. Every shop was filled to the brim with people. I should have expected the hostess's raised eyebrow and kind response when she said there were no more tables available all evening, but she gave us the option to sit at the bar. Eh no seats next to one another. We wound up eating dinner at home and didn't even wander much in the hotel because there were so many people in the lobby, either waiting for their table for dinner or just enjoying the glow of enormous Christmas trees inside the hotel. Historic Hotel Bethlehem sits on the site of the first house built on that land in 1741. It was called First House, and according to local historians, it was used as a home and stable for the first Moravian settlers. First House was demolished in 1820 when the Eagle Hotel purchased the land. There was only one image of First House at that time, an engraving made by a Moravian artist who taught painting to women at the Young Ladies Seminary. That engraving of the first log cabin built along the Monocacy Creek was a long single-story log cabin. It looks very much like the Lincoln Logs my brother received one year for Christmas when he was very young and the little log cabins we used to build with them. About 100 years after the Eagle Hotel opened, it was taken over by Charles Schwab, who owned the Bethlehem Steel Company, no relation to Charles Schwab the financier. Bethlehem Steel was one of the largest steel producers in the world until it went under in 2001. When Schwab opened the hotel in the early 1920s, Hotel Bethlehem was designed for the discerning gentleman traveler. The lobby featured a barber shop, a shoe shine, a coffee shop, and a cigar shop. Although present-day historians aren't quite sure where the cigar shop was located in the lobby. When a property changes hands, it goes through numerous remodels, some rooms just seem to disappear or get hidden behind newer walls. Hotel Bethlehem doesn't try to hide its haunted history. One of the haunted tales from the hotel reminds me a bit of the Stephen King short story, 1408, from his collection, Everything's Eventual. Okay, if you've read the story or seen the film with Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack, I don't want you to think that Hotel Bethlehem is like the room in 1408, because that room is fucking terrifying. But there is a room in this hotel that is notoriously haunted. In fact, the hotel talks quite openly about it, and as you can probably guess, it's the most requested room in the hotel. That's room 932. It isn't necessarily the only haunted room in the hotel, but it is the one the hotel publicly discusses as haunted. According to the hotel, guests have reported seeing reflections in mirrors that disappear. Papers fly off the desk, Lamps turn off and on on their own. In 2011, hotel historian Natalie Bach told the online publication Patch.com that a guest claimed the bathroom looked like an entirely different room for a moment when she opened the bathroom door. In the spring of 2007, Room 932 was investigated by the Paranormal Society of Pennsylvania. During that investigation, the team believed they captured numerous EVPs. There's another report of a woman who stayed in room 932 and woke up in the middle of the night to find a man standing at the foot of her bed wearing nothing but boxer shorts. And then he disappeared. Some guests and staff have reported seeing the ghost of a woman in period clothing, except from the knees down, where she appears to have forgotten her shoes and her stockings. The hotel believes this is the ghost of Mrs. Brong, who, with her husband, ran the Eagle Hotel for about six months in the early 1830s, until the committee of the Moravian Church terminated their employment, she for her shamefully naked legs and feet, and her husband for his fondness of alcohol. The ghost of the granddaughter of Moravian Caleb Yoey, who owned the Eagle Hotel in the 1860s, has also been seen around Hotel Bethlehem. Mary Augusta Yoey Hope, who many people called May, When she was a little girl, May used to sing and dance for hotel guests in the lobby of the Eagle Hotel. According to hotel historians, May was so talented, the Moravian community in Bethlehem raised money to send her to Europe, where May received operatic training in Paris. May Yoey performed for the royal family in England in the 1890s and built quite a career around the globe, not only as a singer, but as a burlesque performer. In 1894, she married British royal Lord Francis Hope, the 8th Duke of Newcastle. They were both just 28 years old, both young and absolutely beautiful. Francis was a wealthy British noble. Part of his fortune included the Hope Diamond, which was more than 45 carats. And Lucky May, well, once in a while she got to wear that incredible stone. Even with all the wealth Lord Francis inherited from his grandmother, within two years to his marriage of Mayoe, They declared bankruptcy, and he had to sell the Hope Diamond to pay off his debts. After getting out of the hole they were in, Francis and May were spending again on a world tour in 1900. While they were in America, they kept company with United States Army Captain Putnam Bradley Strong. He was just 25 years old, young, virile, handsome, and that was it. May told her husband, I'm staying in America with Captain Strong. Lord Francis Hope divorced May Yowie in 1902. She and Captain Strong married just a few months later. But by 1905, her second marriage was on the rocks. Putnam Bradley Strong declared bankruptcy, just like May's first husband, and blamed May for his financial woes. May married a third time. She continued performing, although never with the level of celebrity she enjoyed in her twenties. She died at the age of 72 in Boston, Massachusetts, yet her ghost is believed to haunt Hotel Bethlehem, possibly because of the time she spent there as a young child when her grandfather owned the hotel. Some guests and staff claimed they've heard her singing in the lobby and lounge areas. Some have even seen her spirit, a much younger version of May than the age she was when she passed away, because this ghost is that of a child. There are occasional reports of a player piano turning on by itself. And some people believe that's May's ghost turning it on. There are so many tours available in Bethlehem. A Christmas City Stroll Walking Tour, Bethlehem by Night Bus Tour, Horse and Carriage Rides, Trees of Historic Bethlehem. Yes, these are very seasonal events. But some of these tours are available throughout the year, like the Old Bethlehem Walking Tour, the Church and Chapel Tour featuring the Old Chapel Worship House built in 1751, and the Central Moravian Church. Plus, there's the Ghost Tour in the Historic Hotel Bethlehem, and Candlelight Ghost Tours in the city. Bethlehem really is a beautiful little city to visit any time of the year, and especially at Christmas. Even if you don't celebrate that holiday, the entire historic downtown area is decorated for the holidays, and it's just magical. There are other historic locations that I didn't dig into quite so deeply this episode, like the Moravian Bookstore, which is the oldest bookstore in America, founded in 1745. But maybe we'll save a few of those places for another visit to Bethlehem. I'd like to thank you for taking this little walk down Main Street with me today. When you think of a place called Christmastown, you may not think that it's haunted or that it will be an episode about hauntings, but you know me. When there's history, there may be hauntings, and I love it when I get an opportunity like this one to share both with you, plus a little travel, a little tourism. It's all my favorite subjects rolled into one holiday episode. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.